The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Now, more and more, bullying is not happening right under a teacher's or a parent's nose, but behind the screen of a young person, making it harder to spot and harder to fix. Uh, to talk about all of this, we're joined by psychotherapist Stella O'Malley and by mental health advocate and broadcaster Keen Sherlock, who's with me in studio. Keen, uh, good morning to you. Good morning, Pat. It's Chris, actually. Sorry. Chris. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I beg your pardon. No problem at all. Um, so, Chris, tell me about your own experience. So it started for me pre-social media was the thing. So for me, it was during the school hours of nine to four. As ironically it is to look back on that now, it, it's funny to think. But um, it was condensed. So from when I started secondary school from the very first week, I was subject to verbal abuse. I was called all sorts of names. And then because I let it go and didn't do anything about it, it escalated quickly to getting physical so my first incident would have been during a school lunch break and I was just calling home to the parents because we were adjusting to the new school surroundings, getting books and everything like that. So I would have to tell the parents what's needed and so on. And I remember being on the phone talking to my mother and then all of a sudden I was literally pushed up against the wall where I was. The phone was taken out of my hand and it was flung across from the area where I was. And before I even knew anything else was happening, a hand was around my neck, choking me up against this wall. There was two people in question on this particular incident. And I just remember being fearful of what was to come because I could just feel my neck getting tighter and tighter. And there were, you know, shouting all sorts of slurs at me. And I was trying to get out. It was two against one and I was pushing and shoving them away. Now, at this point, they weren't uh, videoing it because phones did not have that facility in those days. No. But today, they would be videoing that oh, kind of sure. thing. Oh, for sure. 100%. If, if, if this was happening to me, say, yesterday, then for sure, there'd probably be three or four cameras. And there seems to be this trend of setting people up for bullying now. So they'll pick on someone and do it. And that was in the news a couple of months back. And it seems to be a trend on social media to actually be picking yeah. on people. Now, it can have truly disastrous effects on people. I don't know how long it took you to recover from those bullying things and years. become the mar- um, years yeah. to become the man you are today. But some people don't make it through. No, sadly not. And I was also on the brink of suicide myself. I just had enough of it all because I was took out of school. I never went back to school. There was another incident after that, but I never went back to school. Uh, my secondary school education was only three weeks long. And I remember being pressured by not just my family and and people that were trying to get me back into school but all this became a, a thing for me where I just came overwhelmed and I just took one day I said I need to not be here anymore and I was moments away from commission suicide Pat I'm not going to lie to you but it was one person that I know from my estate was walking by where I was and they just basically distracted me and it was that kindness that was shown in that moment has me here today. Took you back from the brink and you're here today. Yeah. You had uh, an acquaintance also who did manage to take his own life and and that was not because of the actual bullying at the time but because all the stuff that was put online was not taken off in a timely fashion. No, uh, it, it just kept on going. The, the comments were nasty. People were there to, you know, just basically always demean him you know it was it was it was quite harrowing to think and I, I just knew for sure that the, the it wasn't going to be the end because I knew myself from getting the backlash of it all and there was no there was no place to turn you know 
So uh, when you get people who might intervene, I mean, if you see some young lad being bullied physically, sometimes uh, passersby will intervene. But a lot of people don't. They say, it's none of my business. And maybe one of those lads has a knife or something. They just let it be. Yeah, and that's so wrong. Like, we, we all do the same stuff in life. We're all people, you know, we all enjoy going out. We all enjoy having a laugh. So, like, if, if, no one is different than others. So we should we should treat each other with kindness and respect. We're taught it from a very young age. And to reach out to someone that's been bullied on the street is so important because you can, you know, you can save their life and save the bully's life and let the bully know that's doing wrong. That, look, this isn't OK. Yeah. You know, stop, you know, break this up. Don't be doing this. Now, in a sense, there are also bystanders on online, on yeah. platforms, because they see what's going on. And they don't intervene. I mean, there'll be a kid uh, who'll say, this is not right that my pal Seamus is being bullied or whatever. This treatment of Seamus is not acceptable. But they're terrified to speak up because they'll be locked out of the community. They themselves might become targeted by the bullies. Exactly. They're they're fearful for passing on because I didn't want to tell anybody in the get-go because I had that consequences of being a rat and then the bullies would come back double and triple times worse. And you don't want that in the moment. So you're fearful to talk up and get help. And e- even, you know, to talk up and get home, get help is a, is a struggle. But if you do, you have to hope that the school enforces, you have to hope that people get behind you and, and, and you know, get not only just kind of discipline the bunnies, bullies because they're just out for their five seconds of fame to become popular. But to be quite honest with you, Sometimes schools don't follow this up. There needs to be well-being weeks at least twice a year. And then there's anti-bullying week uh, every year as well. And some schools that I've been lucky enough to go in and have a chat to enforce this and they they make it aware and they have all the strategies in place. But some schools don't bother because if, if they're met with a challenge, Pat, the school will try and dodge it. They'll yeah. say that you're, you're, you're not adequate, you're not in the right school, you won't fit in here. And that's putting it under the rug and that's totally wrong you're playing with people's lives and their their you know their livelihood going forward i i was i was roughly say six years before i actually was able to go into a room full of people because i'd be looking at all the exits when i'd go in because i'd be fearful someone would come over and start picking on me for no reason because that's what that's what i was used to well, Chris, thank you very much for uh, describing what your life was like when you were susceptible to the bullying. Stella O'Malley, psychotherapist, listening to all of this. Stella, you know, nowadays it's different. You can have physical bullying on the way home from school, but when you got home, it was your safe haven. That's not true anymore when you've got a screen. Yeah, it's like, and Chris's story was so shocking and harrowing and he was very generous to share it. But nowadays it follows you home. And it it can be relentless and you, you have a sense of kind of you've no control, if you follow me, because you don't know who is saying what, because there's an awful lot of anonymous profiles. And so when when it was physical and when it was in front of you, if the school was very good and Chris made some brilliant points around that, if the school is good, they should be able to deal with it if it's there and then and if it's physical and they they have the ability. But if it's at home because they're online there's really very little control anybody has over it. Yeah. You, you know, but, but it can just take things. a life of its own. You know, if the bullying is reported, and even if it happens after hours, if it's by a classmate or a schoolmate of the person who's being bullied, surely the school does have a responsibility because those kids might not ever have known each other if they hadn't met in that school. Yeah, but they, if they can't, the school can't um, control the behaviour 
of children at, at 10 o'clock at night. They're, you know what I mean? The, the, the school can't kind of go into the bedrooms and say, take the phone off that kid, he's gone wild. And so while they can, they can certainly have responsibility to keep an eye on the whole situation in the school hours, their ability to control the online behaviour of a child is really, really limited. Now, laws like this coming in will make a difference. But right now, they're, they're kind of hamstrung because they basically generally, because I, I, you know, I've been dealing with this really since I wrote my book in 2017, Bullyproof Kids. And they've been con- consistently, some of the schools are brilliant. I've got three secondary schools near me. One is brilliant. I never get any calls of bullying from that school. One is, you know, medium. There's sometimes bullying. And one is dreadful. There's always calls about bullying from okay, that school. Okay, well, let's That's talk the about the good school. school. What is yeah. the difference in the way that brilliant school I, responds? What do yeah. they do? What are their protocols? To, to, Two notable things that they do is, one, they come down like a ton of bricks when there's an accusation. And Chris pointed that out, that sometimes the school adds to the bullying by basically saying to the target, you're at fault, you're strange, you're eccentric, you're different. This is the issue. And that is so shaming and it's 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 pain upon pain if they do that. The second thing, so there are a ton of bricks, the school, they come down, there's been an accusation. There isn't a kind of an evaluation of the character of the target. There is, there has been bullying and now we need to really go at it like a tank. The second thing is they, they target the, the bully as opposed to the target. So they, they ask for the bully, for example, to um, have, you know, counselling or attention or whatever. And as in, they have a problem and we need to we need to put in a hell of a lot of focus on the bully rather than on some level asking the target to live with it by going for counselling, if you follow me. Yeah. It's the other direction. And there's one last thing that the school does, which is really important, and Chris did bring it up. They create a culture of upstanding where the vibe is you just don't join in. If you're a bystander, you're complicit. We learned that in the wars. Like, you can't stand along, you can't laugh, you can't press like, you can't join in on a pylon because that makes you a bystander and that makes you complicit. If you're an upstander, you don't laugh, you don't smile, you don't press like and you don't join in. And sometimes at the right time, you might speak up. So that's a culture that's created within a school and it becomes a school that's proud to have an upstanding culture. It takes time. We used to talk about physical bullies years ago in discussions like this and saying oftentimes you'll find the bully has been bullied him or herself, you know, at home or whatever. uh, And that explains it. So do you know why uh, some kids are likely to pick on other kids uh, online, particularly uh, what is it in their nature yeah. that allows yeah. them to do something that is objectively nasty? There, there, there's two kind of primal reasons, really. One would be a, a child who has a very high power need and they like to have power over kids. They can be immature and they can be doing it just for laughs and not really thinking of the target. They're just doing it for laughs to get popularity. They think they're hilarious. They're immature and they're not thinking of it. Then there's the more darker side where somebody has... Maybe they've learned it from their own family. Maybe their own family are bullies. And that makes it doubly difficult because you can't talk to the family because they're the whole crowd of them are bullies. But they've learned bullying as a way of being. It can feel quite sadistic. They've learned it as a kind of a dog-eat-dog environment. And maybe, like you say, some of them will have been bullied and that you know that they kind of become the attack dog as a result it's more likely the first two that either they, they just kind of they're immature and they're foolish or it's yeah. much darker and, uh, Stella, and it's a final thriving. question 
uh, the bullies, when you isolate them and find out mm. who they are, is their behaviour a predictor of what they're going to be like as adults or will they grow out of it? Sometimes it is, yeah. Sometimes you can, yeah, definitely. But I do you know, think the bully in the classroom you, is the bully yeah, boss. Very often, very often. But you can talk to them and you can point out, you're trying to build empathy in those bullies, trying to say what, what they're, they're doing without further inspiring their power need because yeah. they're, they're power mad sometimes. All right, they're, Stella. They're kind of, yeah, they've lost their way. We'll be talking more about this on Monday, but Stella Malley, a psychotherapist and Chris Sherlock, broadcaster, mental health advocate, uh, thank you both very much for joining us. If anyone listening has been impacted by this, you can contact the Samaritans on 116-123. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am on News Talk.